want to invite up Brandon Missoni. He's going to do our reading today. If you want to read along in your Bible and go ahead and look it up, it is John 18, 12 through 27. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of the man's disciples, are you? He said, I'm not. So the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered them, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he has said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him, bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Brandon. Father, thank you for your word and uh, just the gift it is to be together. Lord, I pray that as we consider these words, this moment, that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts our minds to receive from you this morning. Help us to um, yeah, orient ourselves, our affections, our hope, all of our lives around you. Amen. Good morning. Um, thank you, John and Hillary. It's always fun seeing the way people do announcements. I have to say, you did a great job, Hillary. Um, John, where, where are you? There you are, John. Dr. John Reichel, you have this way about you. Like, you're very, um, 
very calm, very calm, that's the word. Like, I want to believe everything coming out of your mouth. Do you do that on purpose? It's <clears throat> good. It must be the, the doctor in you, John's a physician of sorts. Um, anyway, thank you. I don't know, what kind of doctor are you? Some, some, sort, of a, some sort of a physician. Yeah, sorry. I mean, like, he is an actual doctor, all right? Like, not like some kind of weird thing. <clears throat> all right, back to this. Okay. So, raise your hand if you love watching epic fail videos. Yeah, what is wrong with you people? Seriously. <clears throat> what is it about those videos? I, so, I, I, this is Peter's epic fail moment. He denies Jesus three times in a matter of moments. Um, of course, to the reader, to us, it's no big surprise. Um, I reckon in retrospect, it probably wasn't even a big surprise to Peter himself because Jesus did tell Peter explicitly, in fact, that he would deny him. Um, and he did. And this is Peter's big moment. Um, I, I told our pre service team volunteers this morning that I actually spent uh, several hours uh, researching um, by watching epic fail videos on YouTube. So you're welcome. Mm. Yeah. If, um, if you want to give this message a title, I suppose the unofficial title is on your way to greatness. Peter, um, he's, he's one of the main characters in the story. Jesus, of course, is like the hero of the story, but along the way, we're introduced to his, his friends, his disciples. Um, obviously, there's some villains as well. Um, and then there's Peter, his brother Andrew. Uh, John, who seems to be Peter's like mate, they're always together. Um, and this is, this is Peter's story. Peter, of course, um, well, maybe you don't know, but in terms of uh, like what happens next as the story goes on, Jesus, of course, is betrayed. Um, in just a few short moments, he will be arrested and crucified. Um, Peter, <laughs> he's just gone from swinging a sword in the garden, this was last week, sort of in, in defense of Jesus, to now succumbing to the interrogation of a servant girl keeping guard at the gate. So this is your classic, like, just, just swing over-functioning to complete, like, under-functioning. This is Peter's faceplant, public faceplant moment. And the thing about Peter is, uh, it's, it's especially heartbreaking because Peter had high hopes. In the very first chapter of John, when we're first introduced to Peter, um, it's actually his brother Andrew who first meets Jesus, and he immediately goes and finds his brother Peter, or Simon is actually his name, and he says, Simon, you've got to come meet the one. We have found the Messiah. And Peter goes to meet this so-called Messiah, and Jesus looks at him and he says, Simon, son of John, 
you shall be called Cephas, which uh, apparently it's an Aramaic name, which roughly translated means rock. Um, Peter would be the Greek equivalent for the name that means rock. And Jesus begins to invite Peter on this, this journey, and he starts to tell him about his kingdom and what he's here to do. And Peter's he's all in. You can tell Peter's like he's, he's excited, he's eager. He wants to be right where Jesus is, and, and he's, he, he wants to be used by Jesus. Um, I mean, he's left his business. He's given everything to follow who he believes, in fact, is the Messiah, their Savior, their King, come to establish God's kingdom on earth. And um, yeah, so you have to, you have to give it to, to Peter. He's, um, he's an all-in kind of guy. And of course, it makes it even all the more tragic when you see him just fold in this moment. Um, I don't know, maybe in the same way you can kind of like, um, it's slightly, what's the word, like cathartic? Or um, I don't know what that feeling is that makes watching epic fail videos so enjoyable. Like it doesn't really feel healthy, but you just can't stop watching them. And, and maybe it's because like we can all sort of relate. I mean, we've all face planted in public at least once in our lives, right? Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I had such high hopes. I had aspirations. I didn't necessarily need to like win an award or be sort of like paraded on stage. I wasn't looking to like win the lottery, but I, you know, I had high hopes for life. And shoot, I even thought maybe Jesus would, would include me in some like great things, meaningful things, significant things. I wanted my life to count, and I believed it could happen. And now look at me. How did I get here? You know those moments. It's usually something to do with um, maybe a relationship, marriage, career. Uh, For me, ministry. I've been a pastor for, it's been 20 years now. It's been a long time. Thank you. I haven't done anything other than be alive as long as that. And uh, full disclosure, full disclosure, there are moments when I sort of think to myself or I look around and reflect and wonder, like, did did I miss it? I, I feel like I should be further along. I should have, like, another degree or something or... I should read more books. My church should be bigger. I should have more money. My, my house, it's just it's too small. Like all of the things that you're tempted to kind of look at and sort of evaluate yourself according to, you know, you have those moments where you think, man, did I miss it? There was that one time when I did sin pretty bad or I did say that one thing and I sort of wrecked that one opportunity. I wonder if there's a second chance Hmm. I wonder if greatness is still in the cards and I can't help but wonder if perhaps this isn't what Peter's thinking three times 
just as Jesus predicted before the rooster crows. You'll deny me, Peter. You'll deny me. I wonder if that wasn't just Jesus being so loving and merciful to let Peter know up front, like, look at I. I know you, you don't want to hear this right now, but I, I know you, Peter, and I know what's going to happen. I'm with you. The guy. <clears throat> Peter was the guy. This is actually in one of the other Gospels. By the way, we, we normally, I normally try to just focus on one Gospel at a time, but when this letter by John, or this sort of biography of Jesus, by John would have been being circulated, uh, you know, first, second, or so century. Like, the other gospels would have been, like, in the mix. So they would have been reading these different accounts together, which makes you kind of think, like, what was John trying to do as he was, like, complementing some of the other perspectives? Anyway, in Matthew... Gospel according to Matthew uh, chapter 16, I believe, Jesus uh, tells Peter that he's going to give him the keys to the kingdom. Whatever that means. But that's a big deal. Peter, you get it. The revelation that I am, in fact, the Son of God, that's come straight from heaven. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. What, what, do you, what do you reckon Peter was thinking in that moment? Dude, I get the keys. I don't think anyone else was offered the keys. The guy with the keys to the kingdom of heaven has just denied his king three times. Oh, and let's not forget the fact that while that was happening, Jesus himself was standing up uh, against like Annas, the father-in-law of the high priest at that time and his soldiers being slapped in the face, standing his ground, saying, everything that I've said, it's been in public places. There are no secrets. Ask, ask those who have been listening all along. And poor Peter, while being questioned by the servant girl guarding the gate, folds under pressure. Um, by the way, in my house, little girls are strong, smart, full of courage, and all the rest. We don't say things like, oh, stop being a little girl, because I have a little girl, and she's amazing. But for the sake of this story, you've got to kind of get what's, what's being said here. Peter really face plants bad. It's like the most embarrassing moment you can possibly dream up. <clears throat> but there's good news. There's actually good news and bad news. Um, the good news is, and some of you already know this because you've read to the end, you cheated, um, Peter does come back. Jesus isn't done with him. And in fact, there's, there's like great things awaiting our man Peter. The bad news is, um, and I suppose it's, it's only bad depending upon how you, you sort of look at it, but the bad news is he doesn't get there in the way you expect. It's um, normally, if this was like the Hollywood 
version of the story. Um, Peter just got KO'd, and he's on the mat. He's been defeated, but we're only halfway through the movie. You know he's the hero. So at that point, like the, the, like the comeback montage would begin. And he'd start training, and he'd be like more determined than ever, and he will have gotten back up, and now he's like doubled down, and he's going to come back, and you know he's going to win the fight, but only after he's like learned all of the hard lessons, and he's, he's come back stronger than ever, more determined than ever, and of course, the hero wins. He ends up defeating the foe, but that's not what happens. That's not how the story goes. Um, we're told at the end of this, this moment, in fact, the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's odd that John doesn't include, include this part, but all three of the other Gospels tell us that after the rooster crowed, Peter broke down and wept bitterly, just overwhelmed with shame. We don't hear much from Peter after that. Jesus gets crucified. Um, Apparently, he comes back to life. We'll get to that soon enough. Um, Peter goes back to fishing. Kind of goes back to his old life. Um, he He does witness the empty tomb. That's a big deal. But it would seem... Like, Peter doesn't really quite recover. He, he, you would think that he's sort of resigned himself to simply accepting the fact that, like, well, he had his chance. He had his chance. He took a shot. Airball. I guess I'll go back to fishing. Not even that good at that. And so he does. The last chapter of John, we're told that Peter, back in his boat, um, fishing all night. It's like we're back at the beginning of his story. It's as if, like, was any of that worth anything? Was any of that, like, count for anything at all? He's all the way back where he started. Have you ever been there? You know, like, dude, I've been at this for 20 years. It feels like I'm back at square one. Like, where did it all go wrong? And was it all for nothing? So Jesus is walking down the beach. This is John chapter 21. He calls out to Peter, some of his mates on the boat fishing, and they recognize Jesus. Peter, in classic Peter form, jumps in the water with all of his clothes on, and just like, totally, this is like, just, oh gosh, you gotta love the guy. He swims to shore, and there's Jesus. He's prepared a fire. He said, bring, bring over some fish. Let's have breakfast. Let's have a meal. Let's chat. He ends up asking Peter a really, really important question. In fact, he asks him a question, the same question, three times. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. And feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Actually, he doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon. Significant. Simon, do you love me? 
Simon? I thought it was Peter. I thought it was the rock. I thought, I thought it was the guy with the keys. Simon. Simon, I see you. I see you. Not a whole lot's changed, has it? But do you love me? Jesus could have asked him so many questions. Peter, are you sorry for what you did? Peter, you gonna do better next time? Peter, have you learned your lesson? Simon, do you love me? See, in the comeback montage, the hero always sort of like learns the, the big lesson. He gets hit so hard that he's finally like brought to the end of himself. And then he renews his strength. He learns the great lesson. And he wins the day. It's not the story. We don't know if he's really learned anything at all. He's Simon again. We know that he wept bitterly, but Jesus didn't ask him, Simon, do you feel like really bad? I mean, like, do you like, do you really appreciate what I've done for you? Have you come to terms with the real depravity of your soul? Sorry, a little melodramatic. But this is what I imagine so oftentimes we're thinking, this is what Jesus would say to me. Like in that moment where, I'm at, where I am at the end of myself and I've just been knocked out cold by the enemy. I blew it. I had my chance. I took my shot and I failed. I let everyone down. I embarrassed my savior when he needed me the most. I failed him. And I think surely Jesus expects me to feel like dirt. If he's ever gonna trust me again, or at the very least, Simon, did you learn your lesson or are you just gonna fail again? Guess what, Peter does fail again. Oh my goodness, out of all the Bible characters, out of all of the leaders in the New Testament, Peter is a wreck. But all he wants to know, Simon, do you love me? Because I love you, I've never stopped loving you. I still want you to feed my sheep. I still want you to lead. I still have plans for you. You're still included. But I just need, I need you to know what this is really all about. Do you love me? This is about me and you. This isn't about what I want you to do for me or how great you are or, or what, I, what I expect you to do for me. This is about us. This is about affection. This is about our relationship, our friendship. Peter, do you, Simon, do you love me? That's what I need to know. That's what this is all about. Now, that could be bad news if you're the kind of person 
Well, this we're, we're all this kind of people to varying degrees. But I think at some level, we want to believe that actually it is about me like increasing my performance. Jesus does expect me to like make every effort and thus prove to him that I am worthy of, of responsibility. I, I do, I, I've, I've earned a place in, in his, his kingdom. I do get to participate because I've, you know, I've proven that I am trustworthy. I can be depended on. I do, I am wise. I've got a little bit of strength and willpower to see Jesus. Oh, and of course I love you. Of course I love you. Don't you want that just a little bit? Um, relationships are actually way harder than any of that. What, what this does, now I'm like, obviously I'm, this, this is a, a mega theme in scripture, okay? So what God is most interested in when it comes to us, the creature, is relationship. It frames everything. He's like a father who's on like this mission to see his lost sons and daughters come home. It's like the whole story from beginning to end. He's not just trying to recruit people to his mission. He's inviting sons and daughters to come home. That is really complicated. It's like super messy. It's hard to like pin down. It's hard to like put into a formula. But just tell me what to do. Just tell me what I need to believe or, or, or learn or master. What, what techniques do I need to apply? Because that, I, I can get my head around that. Even if I like fail at it, at least I can understand it. And that, that can be frustrating, actually. Um, have you ever felt like you were losing your faith? No, anyone? I got a couple nods. Yeah. Have you ever been in that place where you thought, like, I, I think, I think I heard a podcast about this one time. Like, I'm, I think I'm like deconstructing, or like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, and you can almost begin to kind of freak yourself out if you think about it like hard enough. Like, am I losing my faith? Is this what it feels like? And you begin to wonder, like, gosh, like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen next. You know what I believe is happening. For a lot of people, a lot of us who have experienced that or are experiencing that. Um, now this is just my opinion, okay? This is not God's word. This is my opinion for whatever it's worth. What I think is happening oftentimes is that you're actually losing a faux faith. So you're, you're, be, you're beginning to sort of lose something that you were never actually meant to have, You've, you've been sold a kind of faith or an idea of what Christianity is meant to be that didn't really work for you, and now it's like, you, it's like falling apart, and it's freaking you out, as it should. Because when, you, when you've believed something long enough and worked on something long enough, and it doesn't seem to be delivering, it doesn't even seem to be real, it, it, it is a bit unnerving. I'm sure it was for Peter. He, he clearly expected it to look and feel like something. And it's not worked out. 
Except now Jesus has brought them to this place where they're getting right down to like, what is it really? What is this all about? What, what, what have you been inviting me into all along? Simon, do you love me? Oh, no, I was there. I was there when you denied me. While I was being slapped by that soldier, I could hear the conversation going on. And I could hear you sobbing, weeping bitterly just after the rooster crowed. I knew it was going to happen. But do you love me? Because that's what this is all about. It's what it's always been about. Okay, talked about that. Can I show you something? Acts chapter 4. So John 18, it's Peter and John in the courtyard of Annas. And essentially like the whole like high priest family. They're all related. It was this whole family affair, like a political like power family. Um, and right there in that courtyard is where Peter failed. Acts chapter 4. They're back in the same courtyard. It's the same courtyard. It's the same people. Annas, Caiaphas, Peter and John. They're back in that place. Um, the, the church is just getting off the ground. The word's gone out. Jesus is alive. It's, it's like it's, you can't even like refute it. There's way, way too many eyewitnesses at this point. And Peter and John are walking to the temple and they see a, a man who's in his 40s who's been sitting at this gate called Beautiful all of his life. Everyone knows him. This is clearly a, like a public situation. And uh, Peter and John are walking to the temple and they see this man and he's begging for money. Of course, they don't have any money. But it says that Peter fixed his gaze upon this man and he said to the man, look at me. I don't have any money to give you, but what I do have, I give in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And the man's healed. Um, it's a notable miracle. Uh, immediately the officials are like, they, they, get, they catch wind, they hear about this. And this is all very controversial because like literally thousands of people are beginning to put their faith in Jesus. And so Peter and John are called into the infamous courtyard to be questioned once again. It says in Acts chapter 4, verse 5, on the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, a different John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And they had set them in the midst, that is, Peter and John, and they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. What changed? They'd been with Jesus. When we uh, follow Jesus, we're experiencing our own uh, epic fails. Life's ups and downs, those moments where you wonder to yourself, where did I miss it? Like, surely I should be much further along. And you're wondering, um, well, how's it going to work out? What, what do I need to do to redeem, like, what's left of my life? And you might be tempted to be like, man, what I really need to do is just search the scriptures and extract the wisdom that I can apply. But Jesus himself said, you search the scriptures thinking that within them you'll find eternal life, and it's they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And so when we study the Bible simply trying to extract the practical principles that we might apply to our career and our relationships in order to use Jesus, um, super frustrating. Um, it might work for some, but not really. Instead, we face plant, and we may or may not ever really even get better, but that's not the point. I'm still struggling with stuff. Guys, if I told you some of the stuff I, str- I struggled with, you'd be like, you can't say it, you're a pastor. You can't say it. You're freaking me out, so I won't say it. I, I struggle with sin that I've been dealing with for 20 years. I'm still Simon, and Jesus knows it. So what's it about? How do, how do I find my way to greatness? I want the keys. I want to be used. I want my life to count. Darn it, Jesus, you promised. You promised that if I left everything and followed you, my life would count. That I would experience the life that I'm actually looking for. So what's, what's the trick? How do I get there? What do I do? For the follower of Jesus, the journey to greatness isn't about getting better. It's about getting closer. Let me say it again. For the follower of Jesus, our journey to greatness, it's not about getting better. It's about getting closer to Jesus. It's about friendship. Simon, do you love me? That's what I'm after. That's what I'm after. I've got amazing things planned. I want to involve you. I'm going to utilize the gifts that I've given you. 
You'll still probably occasionally face plant along the way. But that's not the point. Do you love Jesus? As a church, we've been um, praying for 28, exactly 28 days. Now, if you actually count it, it's 23. So, but 28 days, 23, that's, that sounds weird. 28 sounds cool. Why have we been doing this? Why have we been doing this? You know why we've been doing it? And some of you are like, I haven't been doing it. Well, you know why you should have been doing it? <laughs> um, it's to get close to Jesus. It's to get close to Jesus. Occasionally, I'll forget that and think, well, actually, what this really is about, I'm, I'm trying to somehow uh, use uh, prayer as like a spiritual means to achieve some, some grand purpose. Oh, it's a, it's a tricky thing, you know? It's a tricky thing. Because actually prayer is powerful and when we pray God moves and does things and heals and sets free and like, I can tell you some stories actually. I can tell you some stories. Oh, I want to tell you a story, but we're going to run out of time. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. We pray this week, Monday, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the story. We pray this week, Monday morning, I'm sitting here, right here, there's about a dozen of us. And I'm like thinking we should, I, I need to, let's pray for our needs guys. And the first thing that comes to my mind is I need money. And the next thing that comes to my mind, like, well, I shouldn't pray that because that's very superficial. It's not spiritual at all. And then quickly the Holy Spirit was like, like, just ask me, dummy. Like, like, ask me. So I prayed. I'm like, Lord, I need money. I need some money. I'm struggling financially. Amen. Literally a few hours later, just a few hours later, like that later that afternoon, um, someone shows up here and hands me a check for five grand. Okay, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, okay, okay. Like, that's, that's weird. That's crazy. It was actually a check made out to Grace City, Portland, so it's not like in my pocket. <laughs> and there is much more to the story. So God does meet our needs, but you know what? Like, when we sort of forget and we think that somehow... Like, like Jesus and spiritual disciplines and my morality and like all the things that I'm meant to do, I'm meant to make every effort to, to sort of like become more like Jesus. And if I do that, then maybe Jesus will like bless me and include me and, and, and we, get it, we get it twisted so easily. Peter himself, I've referred to it twice now, it's in the first chapter of Peter's second letter. He says, make every effort to add to these things, love and affection and virtue and all, all of these things. But you know what, he, this gets misquoted all the time. He says, make every effort after he says that God has given us everything we need. Everything we need. Therefore, get on with life, chase Jesus, work hard, like practice your disciplines, learn how to pray, embrace fellowship, all the things, but not because you're trying to prove to Jesus that you're worth the second chance, because he's not interested, he wants to know, but do you love me? Because that's what this is all about, getting 
close to Jesus and therefore each other. For the follower of Jesus, the journey to greatness isn't about getting better. It's about getting closer to Jesus and to each other. Can we stand together, please? Our worship team is going to lead us in the final song as we worship. And um, my question, you can think of this like in maybe in way of application. In your life, what does the next step look like for you in terms of getting closer to Jesus? What might that look like? And who might you, I don't know, lock arms with? Maybe currently you're experiencing what feels like a loss of faith. That's okay. Maybe, maybe you need to lose that faith. Maybe Jesus wants to invite you on a new sort of journey where you're getting to know him. Perhaps like you've never done before. What would it look like to take the next step towards getting closer to Jesus, experiencing more of his love? Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you lead us? Would you be our guide? Would you open our hearts? Teach us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.